Support for Tantrum comes from MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork since 2001. MailChimp, send better email. The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words here and talk of grown-up things, so make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum. Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids. I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. Today, we'll hear from Susan Rebecca White. Not only do the books we read provide Gus with surrogate siblings, they implicitly teach him that life is ordered, fair, and kind, that even though bad things do happen, the universe itself is a good and safe place. I think I'm selling my son a bill of goods. Raising kids to raise hell in an unfair world. That story's coming up in just a few. But first, hey, Allison, how's it going? It's been going all right. How are you? I am fine. And I also want to note to um, let listeners know where we are, if they're hearing some really f- fabulous music happening in the background of our podcast. Where we yeah, are... there's a party, and we weren't invited, and it's not fair at it's all. It's not like, fair. So my not neighbors fair. are having a fabulous party in their yard, and we are recording from my porch. <laughs> because we're pros. We're pros here at Tantrum and only the best uh, recording settings for us. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Have you still been super busy and just... Um, less busy for um, a few weeks now. I'm about to dive into being busier again, but I'm hoping with a little more, little more balance. A little more yeah, because you told me that you made a pie. <laughs> I did make a pie. What was that about, Kate? The pie was about uh, having something tangible, something I could follow specific steps for, specific precise steps Mm -hmm. with uh, physical ingredients in front of me and then have it be done and have Mm -hmm. it in front of me and have a tangible result. Also, I'd never made a successful pie crust ever. And I hadn't tried to in years. Um, I, I haven't really baked much since like college. So it's been a long yeah, time. Just like a project with the beginning and an end. Yeah. But and it turned out it was an apple pie and it turned out so good. But then we like had an entire pie. Like, you know, we ate a couple slices and we're like, oh, okay. And so we gave a bunch to a neighbor. Not, but, uh, not a problem. I... <laughs> it was so good, this pie. Um, good job. Yeah, it was like I'm ther- proud of you for making time to bake a pie. Yeah, I certainly like have never, pie. ever made a pie. That's not my work. Mm-hmm. No. And we had an, a really awesome thing happened. I, uh, Bird got into another daycare. Oh, yes. So people who have been listening to the show will know that I have felt kind of uncomfortable with the daycare where he was. It was great when he was a really little kid, but increasingly um, I've just wanted a little more Organic paint, just a little more organic paint. No, dude, paint. no, no, <laughs> this is exactly not it, no. <laughs> Although this place we're going is totally, like, all about some damn organic paint. But it's just because, okay, so I've learned, though, that, that there actually is a genuine uh, child care shortage in Atlanta. Like, it's a problem throughout metro Atlanta. And so it's like, I wasn't alone. Hello, mothers listening locally. We could, uh, this might be our niche, our 
business to start. It could be. I mean, you could open a place and you know it would be full within like minutes, right? Um, so yeah, we were just lose my mind. applying to places and being on wait lists, and you know, for the better part of a year, I was doing this with Bird. Um, and I'd like sign up for the wait list, and they'd be like, "Oh, we'll probably have room, you know, in six months." And I'd be like, "Oh, great!" And then pay the fee for the wait list, and then oh, there's int- a fee for there the wait list. Always fees for the wait lists, and mm. then you call, and they're like, suddenly it's, "Oh, he's seventeenth on the wait list, or he's twenty-first on the wait list." So you know, they actually just wanted your money for. That's so annoying. Like, I'm sorry. You're, there's an administrative fee to have. Um, my name in an Excel spreadsheet, like, oh. yeah, it's um, it got to be so frustrating and just dispiriting because they they've got you by like these emotional reins because you go and you tour the place and even if it's not a fancy dancy place like you just like you see it's a nice place and you're like oh my child could spend his days here and you start envisioning it you pay this money and then they you never hear from them again i mean that just happened to me a few times um and got to be pretty frustrating so actually what happened with this place is i had heard from a few folks that they liked it a lot and I knew it was kind of pricey, mm-hmm. but I just wrote an email to like the, the email address for enrollment, and I was very frank. The subject line said, you know, seeking childcare for a really awesome kid, comma, no, really, period. Like, no, really. <laughs> because some people, you, some places you email, and then they don't get back to you, and you email, and they don't get back to you. So I was like, I'm going to stand out. Mm-hmm. Time for me to shine. And yeah. I also don't. I'm writing a pitch letter now. Yeah, I'm writing a pitch letter. And I also just don't care anymore. Like, if you, I don't hear back from you, screw it. Mm-hmm. Fuck all y'all. You know, mm-hmm. I. This whole situation sucks. So I wrote. Um, and my first line was I was briefly considering putting something about free pizza in that subject line because I haven't heard back from so many of these places. <laughs> but I've heard your daycare is a fantastic place. I know that it's not just my kid who's awesome, but you're filled with awesome kids. So I just want you to be frank with me and let me know if there's any chance of your wait list dwindling down so that he might have any kind of spot sometime this year or next Please just be straightforward and frank with me because I just need to know, honestly, we've really been through the ringer. Thanks, Kate. Like, that was my email. (laughs) Yeah. And this woman emailed me back like a half hour later and she said, yeah, good news. We actually have a spot. And I didn't even believe it. I was just like, yeah, whatever, lady. I'll believe Mm -hmm. it when I've, like, signed some papers and, Mm -hmm. you know. So I write her back and I'm kind of like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) So it is a kind of... When you and I were growing up, hippie daycare meant some some mothers got together and, and got some kids together and they're eating granola, you know, and it actually meant it might be kind of uh, grassroots and cheap. But today, hippie daycare just means like it's going to be organic paints and cost like more than your college tuition did. And that's true of this place. Um, Not really more than college tuition. Yes, more than my college tuition. <laughs> God. That's really embarrassing to admit. Um, I mean, but this is what so many people are struggling with to figure out how and, and to have childcare that they feel comfortable with. And I'm going to tell you, we found that out. And you remember because I texted you and I'd just, I'd been going through a rough time already. This was the week I was baking the pie. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I was just like, 
Allison, we found a place and it turns out it's too expensive. We can't do it. I'm going to die. You know, it was just like down in the dumps. But, you know, we're pretty damn lucky because our parents could kick in a few bucks and help us out. Now, they couldn't, you know, cover the full gap between old tuition and new tuition, but it was enough that we're able to do it. Yes. So we have help from our parents for daycare also. And a lot of people don't have that help. A lot of people don't. And they just do what they can. And I have so much more respect than ever for all of those parents out there. And realizing, again, we were talking about life is not fair, uh, the amount of privilege that I have to have family that I can go to and say, hey, can I have some money every month? And the peace of mind that it provides you to be able to send him somewhere that you feel like is going to, you know, he's at an age now, he's really is learning to interact with the world and others. He's not just a baby sitting in a swing anymore. And so you want him to... You want him to grow. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be clear, I mean, the last place was very loving. They would, like, watch TV sometimes. If it was, yeah, like, a would. cleaning day, they would just... And then you're like, I can't believe I'm paying this an hour to have right. my kid watch TV. I don't know. It's... I think Yeah, it's and all, like, like, all the books are, like, kind of ripped and a lot of broken toys and that kind of thing. Because, you know, you do. You get what you pay for. And... You know, if we'd been at a different place in our lives, I would have just kind of shrugged and say, you know what, it's fine. Because it, it, you know, he was safe. But, you know, there's just so much I didn't like. Like, there was one day I went to pick him up, and uh, she was changing his diaper. And I was like, okay, this is a good time to talk about body parts. And so, like, I was just like, oh, just sort of so you know, we call his, um, like, we call his penis his penis, you know, and we call his bottom his bottom. We don't do any nicknames or anything like that. And she got really embarrassed when I started talking about it. And she said, well, I don't know. I just, I can't have them all running around shouting penis, penis, penis. She was like, I just call him, like, his man parts. And I was just like, oh, dude, it's two. <laughs> yeah. It's so, a body part, like the nose part. and the eyes and the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. That's that. Well, I'm glad you're going to be happier. Yeah. So moving along, we are going to take a break from our live shows over the summer. Uh, We'll resume those in the fall. But we are going to have a few bonus episodes of the podcast that will be released. Yeah, but for now, let's move on to our featured reader, Susan Rebecca White. Susan is the author of three novels, A Place at the Table, A Soft Place to Land, and Bound South, all published by the Touchstone imprint at Simon & Schuster. Her nonfiction essays have been published in The Bitter Southerner, Salon, Tin House, and by UNC Press. She has also written food criticism for Atlanta Magazine and taught writing at a great many places, including but not limited to Hollins, Scad, and Emory. Susan lives in Atlanta with her husband and her young son, who looks like this. Oh, my God! Huh. <laughs> Please welcome Susan and Rebecca White. Hi. Thank you. I love that picture. It's my son is now about to turn three, and he's not, he's not that anymore. Um, so... I kind of want to preface this by saying that the opinions expressed in this piece are my own and are in no way officially sanctioned by tantrum. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So the other day, while loading groceries into the back of my car in the parking lot outside the Publix on Ponce, my two-and-a-half-year-old, already strapped into his car seat, 
A woman waited in her SUV, blinker on, so that she could pull into my space after I left. Another car coming from the opposite direction couldn't pass through. Move your car! The blocked driver screamed, her voice full of a raw emotion that the moment did not seem to merit. Move! She screamed again, banging the steering wheel and honking the horn. The other driver rolled down her window. I'm just waiting for her to finish loading her groceries, she explained. She ain't going anywhere, the woman screamed. Then she added, you bitch! The other woman backed her car up a little, and the angry woman roared past. What that lady say to you, Mama? My son Gus asked when I slid into the front seat. Well... Babe, she was not a very happy lady. Somebody probably hurt her badly at some point in her life. (laughs) Also Unitarian Universalist. (laughs) And she was mad that she couldn't pass through the parking lot, so she screamed, get out of my way, move. She a mean lady, said Gus. Yeah, sweetie, she really is. I'm going to go to her house, and I'm going to tell her, stop yelling at my mama, he said. Well, that's a good idea, I said. What'd she say then, he said. Well, she'd probably say she was sorry, or maybe she wouldn't. She might just be a mean lady. She a mean lady. I'm going to go to her house and tell her stop. My son doesn't have many encounters with mean ladies. His Mimi, my husband's mother, cares for him once a week and is as gentle and kind a person as you'll ever meet. I've been called a lot of things, but mean has never really been one of them. And then there's Lil, Gus's nanny, who wears her WWJD, What Would Jesus Do, bracelet as proudly as she refers to herself as a senior. Lil told me that she and Gus are the perfect pair because he's little slow and I'm big slow and we just do our thing. (laughs) Yeah, we lucked out. Lil has a compact flashlight on her keychain shaped like Jesus. When she squeezes the hem of his robe, the light comes on because, as Lil says, Jesus is my light and my God. I should add that Lil was not one of the 81% of evangelicals who voted for our current president. Indeed, early in the election season, Lil proclaimed, that man doesn't have a heart, he has a thumping gizzard. (laughs) Anyway, my point is, Gus's life is pretty good right now. The people who interact with him on a daily level love him and are amused by him, and all of his caregivers read to him. An only child, he has made the characters in his book into characters in his real life. I have even begun making up bedtime stories about how he and Curious George went to visit Anna and Elsa together, or he and Clifford took a plane ride to New Jersey to see Catherine, my best friend from college. Not only do the books we read provide Gus with surrogate siblings, they implicitly teach him that life is ordered, fair, and kind, that even though bad things do happen, the universe itself is a good and safe place. I think I'm selling my son a bill of goods. All of the lessons I try to teach him to share, to be kind, to listen, to be humble, are the opposite of the character traits on display by so many of our current political leaders. It's sort of it's a sort of trickle-down meanness that deeply troubles me. During the election, I volunteered to get out the vote 
for Democrats in DeKalb County, I would go to the DNC headquarters on East College Avenue to find out which neighborhood I was to canvas. There was a life-size cutout of Hillary Clinton in the offices. I have a picture of Gus standing proudly in front of her, though he didn't know who she was. Actually, he thought it was a life-size picture of his grandmother. <laughs> he, really, he really did. My mother, who has a similar hairstyle and a closet full of Armani suits. The weekend before the election, Gus, his preschool buddy Theo, and Theo's mom Kimberly and I went canvassing in Kirkwood. We put the boys in a red flyer wagon and only knocked on the doors of registered Democrats. Had we not had our children with us, I might have been braver and knocked on all of the doors, but I wanted to make sure it was a safe situation. The sun was out, the sky was blue, and everyone who answered their door had either already voted for Hillary or was planning on doing so come Tuesday. A gay couple asked if our boys would like Tootsie Pops. They had some left over from Halloween. Gus took his readily, and when Sam, my husband, asked what he did that day, Gus said, we went to people's houses and got candy. <laughs> I was grateful for his innocence. I had no desire to politicize my son, to dress him in Hillary gear, or teach him lefty chants. I didn't even tell him about the election, really. I just said we were going door to door to say hi to our neighbors. It's good to know your neighbors, I explained. Theo's mom had put an H with an arrow through it, a la the official Hillary logo on Theo's shirt, using blue masking tape to do so. Gus wanted one, so she made one for him. Afterward, we went to Bessie Branham Park in Kirkwood. The boys played Ring Around the Rosie. I have pictures of our little boys holding hands, marked with their Hillary H's, laughing. The day after the election, as I tried to hold back my tears in front of Gus, he found an H bumper sticker that Hillary's campaign had just that morning sent me. An H! An H! He shouted, sticking it to his pajamas and running around happily. I started sobbing, my husband murmuring, it's too much, it's just too much. <laughs> Gus is nearly three and has started throwing tantrums. My strategy is to express sympathy for his frustration but not give in to whatever it is he's demanding. Over Christmas break, Gus, recently recovered from a nasty cold and cooped up in the house for too long, threw a massive tantrum after a lunch trip to Yaburger. I had packed the car in front of our house and opened up the back door to help him out of his car seat, but he didn't want to get out. I waited for a few minutes, but it was cold and I needed to go to the bathroom, so eventually I forced him out, Gus reaching wildly for anything to cling to while I pried his fingers loose from the arms of the car seat, its headrest, the little hook on the ceiling where I usually hang my dry cleaning. Once I finally managed to get him out, he started screaming with an intensity I would think would be reserved for the coming of the zombie invasion. 20 minutes later, and he was still screaming, although now we were at least inside the house, me sitting on the kitchen floor, my back against the counter, Gus sitting next to me, screaming and pulling on me, trying to force me up so I would let him back outside. He had already tried to open the front door and run back to the car, but I had taken the key out of the lock so there was no way he could open it. I had all the power, you see. He screamed and tugged while I just sat and played like Buddha, occasionally saying, I'm so sorry, you're so frustrated, which of course frustrated him even more. Eventually, I asked if he needed to take a couple of minutes to calm down in his room. He responded by softly hitting me, which honestly showed self-control. Still, I picked him up and put him in his crib, leaving him there for a timed two minutes. All the while, he howled, I miss my mommy, I miss my mommy. 
Afterward, I sat with him on the sofa, let him cry, let him be frustrated. I suggested we watch Clifford, a treat, as we try to limit TV to the weekends. I even threw a bag of popcorn in the microwave for us to share. As his favorite Clifford episode, Stinky Friends, came on... It occurred to me that I had changed my behavior based on Gus's tantrum. Here we were, snuggling on the couch, watching Clifford tossing popcorn into our mouths. I hadn't intended to be doing any of these things. I flashed back to Gus trying to forcibly move my 150-pound body with his 36-pound one. And it occurred to me that even though he does not have the strength to move me on his own... He can wear me down. And just like that, it struck me, and I apologize for speaking for you, but we, we need to wear down our current administration and all of the other members of Congress who support it, just like Gus wears me down. We need to be like indignant toddlers wailing in the face of injustice. Of course, the analogy is all wrong because the man in charge of our country is a toddler, while those of us who recognize the true threat of his administration are the adults still Still, his party holds all the power, while we, like children, do not. But children affect outcomes. Children's annoying behavior yields results. Now, let me back up a minute to say that I was raised to believe that the better and more compliant you were, the more rewarded you would be. This is best exemplified by a story my mother used to tell when she, about when she was a girl. Whenever her parents drove mom and her two sisters on the long trip to Memphis to visit relatives, they would pass a Dairy Queen on the way. If any of the girls asked to stop for ice cream, their father would not. But if they sat quietly and behaved themselves, their demure behavior would often, though not always, be rewarded with a vanilla cone dipped in chocolate. My mom learned this lesson well and has always lived by the motto, don't make a fuss. And so I learned, say, that the child who doesn't ask for the swirly frosting rose on the birthday cake will be granted the slice that has it. And I get it. Who wants an entitled kid screaming in your face for sweets? Also, it's good to be skilled around how you ask for things. And listen, violent protests that mirror the destructive forces we are fighting will only aid and abet the opposition. We need to fight with love, not hate. Still, this childhood conditioning kind of fucked me up. It made me associate compliance with reward, assertiveness with punishment. But here's the thing. We're not asking our government to give us chocolate dipped ice cream cones and frosting roses. We are asking our government not to destroy public schools, not to lift the protections offered by the Affordable Care Act, not to allow our environment to be destroyed, not to bolster Russia's Russia's repressive rule, not to pull out of treaties with allies, not to demonize Muslims and refugees and immigrants, not to stop refugee resettlement after those war-weary souls have cleared so many hurdles to get here We are asking our government not to strip away voting rights, not to sanction misogyny and racism and xenophobia. We are not asking for goodies. We are asking for full citizenship. We are asking for a commitment to the Constitution. We are asking for due process. So, friends, 
Do not be obedient children in the back seat while someone else drives the car. Instead, let's imitate our willful children. Only let's be smart and skillful in how we do it. Throw a righteous tantrum, y'all. Don't stop screaming no in the face of injustice. Don't apologize. Make some noise. Try and move the trillion-ton elephant. Eventually, we will. That's it for Tantrum. Hear from us in a couple of weeks when we release our next episode. And a reminder, you can share this podcast with everyone you know. You can also give us some nice reviews, some ratings on iTunes. I know we've said it before, but it really does help more people to find this show. Because raising kids is fun, but hard. Raising kids is life-changing and yet brain-rotting. This isn't easy, and despite it all, you are kicking ass. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney. And I'm Kate Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. And thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna. See ya. Give us some light because it's dark now. In our old eyes. Yeah. Sometimes I try and I read you, like, more and more doing <laughs> books in the um, d- Merit's like dark room to try and get her to just start to simmer down. Yeah. And I can't read the words at all. I'm just like, oh. why am I? Do- I need a flashlight. <laughs> oh. It's not true. Yeah. Too dark. Books. <laughs> the nana books. Nana. <laughs>